the word with you tonight. It's a massive honour. And as I fumble with my bulldog clip, I, uh, I'll get straight into it so that we can all get home on time. <laughs> I want to share tonight about suffering and going through trials in life. Now there's amazing teachings out there, many that have been shared in this building, about the trials that are thrown upon us in life, the suffering that we could never see coming. But tonight, I want to take a look at the flip side of the coin of suffering and trials, to look not at the ones that are thrown upon us, but instead at the ones that we can choose to throw ourselves into. Because the Bible is very clear that we as Christians will, in seasons and stages of our walk with God, have to fearlessly walk into suffering on purpose, intentionally, for the sake of our faith. Philippians 1 verse 29 says, For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. A privilege of suffering is such a paradox in our world, and even in many parts of our faith. It's thought that suffering is something to be fearful of and to be navigated around if possible. But the trials we may go through in life in the name of God are not like your other fears. And tonight together I want to look at why. Anyone who knows me well knows that I'm a borderline arachnophobe. I have no greater fear in life than spiders. I'm great with heights. I'm getting there with public speaking. But a creature with eight legs that's too difficult to track sends shivers down my spine. However, to keep my dignity, I will offer and volunteer to kill the spiders in my household. Although I'm a little ashamed to admit that the last time I had to kill a spider, just a couple of weeks ago, my wife, Geordie, jumped in and killed it before me because apparently I was taking too long and I was stating that I was waiting for it to get into a better position. Geordie couldn't see my logic, I know. All my life, I've given myself the advice, the pep talk, that's all right if I'm afraid of spiders because I don't have to interact with them. I can largely live my, vo- my life avoiding spiders, despite the country that I live in, and where necessary, launching a shoe at one. But the messages we have heard this year have made one thing clear. The things God has called us to are not things we can pass on because of fear. Doing what we want and avoiding what we don't want to do, like it's a trivial fear of spiders. God has called us with a purpose in this world, to be his body to do his work. And our God is not a fearful God. And so his body must do his work fearlessly. We are called to battle in our world, not against it, but for it. And the same holy book of God's word that promises us abundant life in him also promises us suffering for him. There is a battle for his people and we wear his armor. So church, we must walk fearlessly into the battle. I don't think there's a person in the Bible who exemplifies this attitude greater than the Apostle Paul. And the book of 2 Timothy is Paul's final letter before his death, written to Timothy from a jail cell in Rome where he was being imprisoned for preaching the word of God. Paul writes personally and candidly. He knows he likely won't survive much longer. He asked Timothy to come to Rome and see him, to bring his books and his documents his coat because it's almost winter. 
But most importantly, Paul writes passionately to Timothy, encouraging him to stand by his faith and continue to follow God in a world that is changing rapidly around him. So I'd like to take a look at that letter tonight. 2 Timothy 1 verse 11 says, And God chose me to be a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of this good news. That is why I am suffering here in prison. But I am not ashamed of it, for I know the one in whom I trust, and I am sure that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. So we know the context of the book. We can see that Paul does not resent being in prison. To him, it is simply a byproduct of the work that he is doing in the society that he lives in. He really begins to share his encouragement with Timothy in chapter 2, writing in verse 8, So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. And don't be ashamed of me either, even though I'm in prison for him. With the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. Paul asked Timothy not to be ashamed of the Lord, not to abandon his faith because of a changing opinion about it in the world. And interestingly, Paul also asked Timothy not to be ashamed of him because he's in prison. And the reason that he says this is because many others in the Christian community had cast him aside and even concluded that he wasn't a prophet because of the amount of times he was imprisoned. He writes in verse 15, As you know, everyone from the province of Asia has deserted me. This man was in prison, alone, abandoned by those inside and outside of his community. And despite all of this, he still asks Timothy later in the book to bring his documents and his books when he comes to visit him so that he can continue teaching. By all measures, Paul was unfazed and at ease with the suffering he was enduring. He reveals why in that verse when he tells Timothy to be ready to suffer with him, with the strength given to him by God. That verse shows us Paul knew two things. Suffering was not a detour or a bump in the road, something that might happen to some, not to others. It was an inherent part of following God. He doesn't tell Timothy he might suffer. He tells him he will. And secondly, he knows how to endure the suffering. He writes, with the strength God gives you. Despite being in that prison cell, Paul was not alone at all. The question is not, will there be suffering if we follow God? The question is, despite the suffering and through it, are we willing to fight for the things God wants in our life and in the lives of others? Are we willing to fight to live like Jesus despite how the world would want us to live? To fight to free ourselves from the chains we're in? To fight to show his love to a world that doesn't want it? Are we willing to be unashamed of our faith? To value a life with God more than a life with people who might abandon us because of our faith? Are we willing to go to battle for those things? Or do we abandon the fight because we know it comes with suffering? I love this quote from pastor and author Rich Villadas. He says, God calls us to go on a pilgrimage, but we'd rather be tourists. A pilgrim is led by God into the unknown and is invited to trust. A tourist just wants to sightsee on his or her own terms. Our faith requires us to lean into the journey God has for our life, every aspect of it. To receive the fullness of a life with God we must walk with him through everything. Paul continues in chapter 2, verse 3. He says, Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. 
If we are soldiers, our battle is to live like Christ, to show his love to others, his new commandment, and to share his message in our world, his last command. Paul writes about being a soldier, and it sounds as if it's life or death on earth. And for some people, it is. There are places on earth where sharing our faith is a huge threat to someone's life. And we are so fortunate that it's not the case here. But the lower stakes can make us complacent. We may not face physical life or death, but just like followers in other places, our eternal life or death rests on whether we are willing to follow God, truly follow God, no matter what comes our way here on earth. And if eternal life or death sounds like a dramatic concept, that's because it is the foundation of our faith. So why was Paul so at peace with his suffering? Why was it that instead of cursing the people who abandoned him inside and outside of his community, screaming at someone to let him out of his cell, he simply asked Timothy, please bring my books and documents so that he can continue sharing the message of God. Why was Paul so ready to tell Timothy that this was a part of Christian life and not something that should be avoided? There's a story about 20th century Antarctic explorer Ernest Shackleton that I believe reveals a truth about Paul's situation. Shackleton was putting together a team that would embark on an Antarctic expedition. Half research trip, half prove the limits of human potential kind of thing. But when recruiting for this trip, it is said that Shackleton ran into a problem. Men would show interest in his ads put in the papers for the journey. But when he met with them and discussed, he couldn't get them to follow through with his journey. Once they had found out all of the details of the conditions, the expedition would take them through. So he changed tactic. And in 1913, Ernest Shackleton published this ad in London newspapers. He says, Men wanted for hazardous journey, small wages, bitter cold, long months of complete darkness, constant danger, safe return doubtful, Honour and recognition in case of success. Signed, Ernest Shackleton. He doesn't exactly sell the gig nicely, does he? Although, in just a short time, Shackleton has made up his crew of men ready and willing to face the conditions ahead. So what changed? Did he just find a crew of adrenaline junkies with no regard for dying? Maybe. Maybe. But I would like to believe that the ad did three things perfectly that made it possible for men of character to desire to join Shackleton. The ad told them what the potential reward was. It told them what it would take to get there. And I believe, most importantly, with just two words at the bottom, Ernest Shackleton, it told them who they were going with. Shackleton told these men what they were embarking on this journey for. Honour and recognition. And his name was well known around circles of people interested in exploration in London. These men would have knew who he was. His reputation was as someone who knew the terrain he was exploring well. He had been several times before. This was not his first trip. And he knew how to lead men through it. What is the reputation of our guide? Our God. It is that of a God who has not only walked his own journey before us as Jesus, leading the exact life he calls us to lead, but our God also walks our own path with us. The men of that crew 
were up for the challenge and could face the trials because they knew they wanted the potential reward and they trusted the guide who would lead them through it. Now, do I think honour and recognition are worthy causes to leave family at risk of dying for? It doesn't matter because translated, the cause that we embark on our journey for, living like Christ and bringing his message to our world is undisputedly worth the journey. It is a life that, though it may not be easy, can only lead to abundance. We can walk fearlessly into battle, knowing there will be suffering, if we trust who is guiding us through. Paul continues in 2 Timothy 2 verse 8. He says, Always remember that Jesus Christ, a descendant of King David, was raised from the dead. This is the good news I preach. And because I preach this good news, I am suffering and have been chained like a criminal. But the word of God cannot be chained. So I am willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus to those God has chosen. Notice in the first line of that verse, and always remember that Jesus Christ, a descendant of King David, was raised from the dead. He talks not of Jesus' suffering, but of the result of his suffering, his resurrection. He does not only know the beginning or middle of Jesus' story on earth, he knows the end of it. And so as he lives the life that God has called him to live, he knows the end of his own story as well, no matter what the middle looks like. The path and reward of suffering has already been exemplified to us. The victory is won, so we can cast our fear aside in the face of suffering for our faith. 1 Peter 2 verse 21 says, For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. Jesus is the ultimate guide. If we are willing to be good soldiers, he is not the general sending orders down the phone line from the safety of an office or a tent back at the base. He has fought our battle long before us, and he continues to fight with us. Jesus led the ultimate life for God. And in that, he led the ultimate life of suffering. He died on the cross so that we would even have the choice of being in relationship with his father. And how did he face that suffering? Well, Pastor Jack shared this verse this morning. 1 Peter 2.23 says, He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. How did he face his suffering? He walked fearlessly towards it because he knew his father's plan. And in Jesus' final moments of suffering, consumed with pain, instead of surrendering to the temptation to resent what he'd been called to do because of where it had led him, he uses his final moment to continue the mission of God. With his final breath, He forgave the people bringing him suffering and in that instance forgave us as well. Father, forgive them for they know not what they have done. What greater example do we need? Paul goes on to share a saying with Timothy. He says, This is a trustworthy saying. 
If we die with him, we will also live with him. If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. The death and resurrection of Jesus opened up hope for us and our world to live as faithful followers of Jesus in order to live with him. We are promised hardship in this saying. And if we endure and remain faithful, we look to him during hardships, he will be faithful as well. But our faithlessness will never impact his faithfulness. He is the same. His offer is always extended and his guidance is always ready. So Paul is calling Timothy to faithfulness, to continue to follow God with full knowledge it will come at cost because with the examples he has been shown, he knows the cost is so worthwhile. Beginning in chapter 3 of his letter, Paul writes, You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends be reckless, puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. Wow. It's quite a rap sheet. And if bits of pieces of this sound familiar, it's because that this is the field we have been called to fight on. Our world that Jesus died for. God knew the terrain that laid ahead. So did Paul. And these were not new realizations either. I mean, Paul was writing this from a prison cell. God is aware of the state of our world and yet he calls us into it anyway because he knows what happens when his will is done. So he calls us into battle for our world to fight to bring the people in it his message, his truth and his grace. But importantly and as we've seen, he does not call us to suffer the fight alone. He has gone before us and he walks with us. It is his strength, as Paul wrote earlier, with which we are able to endure suffering. So often, we try to take the reins of our own suffering, even as Christians, to endure our trials in our own strength. We live in a what-doesn't-kill-you-makes-you-stronger world. But I would like to argue that God doesn't need us to be stronger on the other side of suffering. Because it is when we realize our weakness that we can begin to draw on his strength. And suffering has the wonderful purpose of allowing us to witness the strength of our God. Just slightly further into chapter 3 of his letter, Paul writes, You know how much persecution and suffering I have endured. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch, Iconium, Lystra. But the Lord rescued me from all of it. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Paul candidly writes about the suffering and the certainty of suffering as a follower of God. But he doesn't write about how much stronger it made him when he exited his past seasons of suffering. Remember, he had been imprisoned many times before. He writes in verse 11 that the Lord rescued him. He wasn't victorious, he was rescued. It's okay to suffer 
in seasons of suffering. I know I've felt completely unqualified to deal with things that have arisen. But God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called by our ability to lean into his strength in our weakness. 2 Corinthians 12 verse 10 says, That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When I am weak, then I am strong. That is another bonkers, incredibly confusing, paradoxical saying to our world. But in relationship with Christ, realizing our weakness means that we see the glory of his strength. When we know and accept that we can't conquer trials in our own strength, it actually frees us to fully surrender into the arms of our Father. Because no matter how strong we are, there's always something that can defeat us. But there is nothing God cannot do. So why would we enter a trial attempting to walk through it in our own strength, even in his name, without first fully surrendering to him being our strength? We worry about entering valleys, seasons of hardship, and getting through them to once again arrive at the peak of mountains in our own strength. And we forget that God can literally move the mountains that we are trying to get to with a single command. If we are in valleys, we need to realize that he has the power to move the ground within our, beneath our feet to make the mountains. And I'll call the band up. At the start of this letter, Paul writes, Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. His grace is our source of strength. And after we see the fruit of leaning into that, we learn to look to him, lean on him, draw on him, not just when we feel weak, but even when we feel strong. Relying on God's strength instead of our own sounds much easier said than done. How does this concept find its way into helping us through our own suffering? How can we be as fearless as Paul in the face of trials? Well, in chapter 3 of his letter, Paul writes in verse 17, referring to the scriptures, God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. The scriptures we are given in the Bible show us as Christians the journey that we can expect. Just like that ad for the expedition. It is laid out in front of us, the path that we are about to embark on. And Paul writes about knowing the end of Jesus' journey. We are given that and countless examples in the Bible of what has happened when other people, ordinary people like you and I, choose to go into battle for him and his kingdom. Psalm 23 verse 4 says, Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. That's my favorite verse in the Bible. In the valleys, in the suffering, the Lord is our shepherd, his rod and staff. And although the examples in the Bible may look different to our lives today, we might not be in prison, or the suffering of Christians in other countries seems so different to, our, to ours, or your suffering looks different to my suffering, or mine looks different to yours, 
We need not focus on the differences in our experience of suffering, but instead we need to focus on the common denominator, the other in the fire, the one who is not different depending on whose life he is leading. Because no matter how different the experiences of suffering for people may be throughout the world or this room or time, for those who believe, we all have the same shepherd, the same one who walks with us. Experience, either our own or that of others, is our reward. What we gain through trials is the knowledge of the power of God. And He is a powerful God. And that means that next time we begin to encounter trials, we look to Him and His strength quicker and quicker, and even when we are not in trials. I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. In the final chapter of Paul's letter to Timothy, he writes in verses 6 and 7, As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight, And I have finished the race. I have remained faithful. Paul is confident now in the abundance he has in Christ, despite his suffering on earth, because of it and through it. His trials were for a cause he knew was the purpose of his life. And so he is privileged to suffer the good fight. Paul's extremely influential life and ministry were fraught with challenge and suffering. Following Jesus involves risk and sacrifice. These things are not a sign of Jesus' absence, but in fact it's in our most difficult moments on earth that the love of Jesus becomes most tangible and real to us. Suffering is not a bump in the road or a momentary lesson. It is a core aspect of our faith and the very thing that defines a follower of God. It would be easy enough to ask why God allows His followers to suffer. But if choosing to follow God meant a life without suffering, there would not be a choice at all. Every person on earth would be a follower of God. But it is in choosing to follow God despite suffering and trials that we truly follow the example that He laid out for us on the cross. There is no breakthrough without battle. And our hardships are where we learn to hear the voice of God. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Lord. We thank you for you, Lord. Thank you for the life that you lived, the example that you laid out before us, Lord, of your truth, of your grace, your mercy, your suffering, Lord. Lord, may we walk in the footsteps of all of it, through everything. May we never forget that we can face the battles of our life and our world fearlessly because you lead us through them. You're at the helm of our ship and we praise you, Jesus, and we glorify you for what you do in our lives, Lord, and in our world. Amen.